so, so we, last week we started the three-part series. That we, we just called it Why Thrive. And one of the things that I wanted to do in this series is I want to talk about, like, wh- wh- you know, when you lose your why, you lose your way. Like, wh- why should we gather as a church? Wh- why, should, why should we go beyond just ourselves? And certainly we've seen the effect of it by gathering our grace gifts together, that we could do more. There's nobody in this room, I don't think, has the, the time capacity or the financial capacity to be able to take 100 gifts to 200 kids around Greenville on one day. But together, we can do more than we can apart. And one of the things that God has called Thrive Church to be is not just outreach. Outreach is amazing. Um, but also to be a place, what we, what we messaged last week was a house of healing. And I want to I take that message, and I'm going to go in another direction, but I actually want to use the same, the same storyline that we used last week. And I want to kind of talk through it from a little different, different perspective, but the same, the same story. And it's in Luke chapter 5, verse 15. And this is, I've labeled this house here that we're reading a house, a house of healing. And God's called us to be a house of healing. And I, I want you to know that to this today that if you're, you're here today in this place, that God, God wants to, if you have brokenness in your life, whether it's physical or whether it's spiritual or whether it's in your soul, in your, in your emotions, that God's a God of healing. And God wants, God wants us to be in a place of wholeness within our life. And, and if you didn't get that message last week, I want to encourage you because I, I kind of laid the foundation of biblical healing and, and how, how, how we're, what is the source of sin. And, and, and we talked about the fact that it's, it's more important to look at who the healer, what the solution to brokenness is, than figuring out what the source is. But it's kind of nice to know what the source is because you know how to pray. And we talked about the fact that in sickness and in brokenness, just the original sin created death in humanity, which caused a degeneration of humanity, and this world is falling apart. And we talked about the blind man, and they asked who sinned, his mother or his father, and Jesus said, none of them. None of them. It's, not, it's not a result of any of their sin, but my power is going to be manifested, and God had a creative miracle for the blind man. How many know God can still do a creative miracle in your life? There was another story where this young boy, he had seizures, and, and the disciples couldn't help him, and the parent was desperate, and like, what do I do? And, 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 and Jesus came along, and he's really to his disciples, he's like, you guys have no faith, sit down. He prayed for the boy, and he realized that this, guy, this boy w- was dealing with a spiritual warfare, and he rebuked the demonic influence in his life. And the boy was instantly healed. And so some sickness comes as a, a, a result of spiritual warfare. That's not to say every person who has a seizure is having a spiritual warfare. But in that situation, Jesus was able to identify and see this boy has a spiritual battle going on. And the story we read last week was the thir- third source of sin that we're going to talk about today in this guy who was paralyzed. And for him, it was the sin in his life was the source. It was his, his actual sin, not original sin, his actual sin that was the source of sickness. And he was there looking for healing, and Jesus said, I forgive you, and his healing came after his forgiveness. And so, so that, and I said this last week, and it's so, listen, you got to hear this, because here's what will happen. It will be so easy for you to leave today, and here's something I didn't say. So I said this last week, and I'm going to say it, say it slow again this week. I had it on the screen. Listen, all sin all, all, all sickness, the origin is, is, is from original sin. But not all sickness is from your sin. So if you got a cold or you're struggling with something physically, man, you know, don't be looking at somebody who sneezes like, what'd you do? What'd you do? You did something wrong. No, that is not healthy and that's not biblical. 
It, and so I, what I would say to this, rather than trying to figure out the source, look for the solution, right? And his name is Jesus. And so this house of healing had Jesus in the middle of it. He's preaching the word of God. And it says, it says this in verse, in verse 17, that there was a certain day Jesus was teaching where the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting. They were sitting by. That sticks out to me because sometimes religious folk, all they know how to do is sit. I'm just saying. We'll call these the pastors of the day, the, the theologians, the, the people that have been saved all their life, the people that know everything. You ever come across anybody who's spiritual in Greenville that knows everything? Am I the only one? One of the things I, I reminded myself this morning, I tell myself all the time, Steve, you are not the authority on everything. You don't know everything. You're learning. You're a student. And they were sitting, just sitting by, and it says this, that they'd come from all kinds of towns, and it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Not, not the paralytic man, them, but there's no mention of them getting healed. And it goes on and says in verse 18, and behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring and lay before him, and they couldn't find how they might bring him in because of the crowd. And they went up on the housetop, and they let him down with his bed through the tile in the midst with Jesus in the center. We talked last week about how we've got to make room for sick people, and, 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 and you know, it's so easy for us to just not want the mess, not want, you know, not want the complication. i got enough problems. You know, you come in here, and you're sick, and i gotta, I got to deal with your sickness. i got my own issues. You know, and Jesus, Jesus said, like, make room for him. Open the door. Go, let him come down. And, and, and so we have to make room for sick people. In verse 20, he says he saw their faith. He didn't say you're healed. He said your sins are forgiven. Why? Because that's what this man was struggling with. Again, not all sickness is because of your sin. And so don't be letting the devil beat you up and think because you've got something going wrong, you must have done something wrong. But Jesus saw in this man there was something not in his, right in his life. And so he forgave him. And he saw their faith. He said you're forgiven. Verse 21, the scribes and the Pharisees, they begin to reason. They begin to just like all the excuses why this, this can't be. Like they, they begin to just kind of use their human intellect. And we talked about last week that when you reduce God to your understanding, you've reduced God to you, to your ability. And, and if you could have done it, you would have done it. Maybe God's ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Maybe God knows something you don't know. Maybe we don't know everything. And so they begin to reason and say, who is this man who speaks blasphemy to forgive sins? And Jesus, he perceived their thoughts, and he, he, he told the guy, rise up, walk, and which is easier to say. He says, I did this and at the end of the verse 24, that, that, the son of, that you might know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And I just want to highlight this right now. <laughs> the Son of Man still has power on this earth. He has power to forgive sins, and even in synonymously in this man's life, he has power to heal because that, that was synonymous with this guy. And he healed the guy, and he's like, he's saying, listen, this happened so that you know, not just in heaven, but in the, the rotten here and now, in the struggles of everyday life, in, in the pain and the suffering and all the sickness that's around you, he's saying, I still have authority on this earth to do something about it. And then he goes on, and he, and he, he says this, in, in, uh, in the ne next last part of the verse, he said this, and this is going to be our focus for the remainder of today. He said this to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. I'm going to skip the rest of the verses. You, you can read them later. I just want to unpack something for you that sometimes, listen, sometimes the longest walk that you'll ever take in your life is from the place of God's miracle 
to your house. Sometimes the, 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 the most difficult, the most challenging place for you is when God does something in your life. From the seat to the street, it's one of the longest walks you'll ever take. Why? Jesus told us in the parables that when the word of God is sown in the hearts of people, when God does something in somebody's life, Satan comes immediately to steal what God did in their life. And so he told this man who, like, dealt with sickness probably for a while, and he had to go back to his house. And have you ever been around, like, especially men who get sick, right? Like, like when they get sick, they're miserable to be around, and their house doesn't look so great, does it? He, he had sin in his life, and this sin, and, and again, not all, sick, sin, sin, not all sickness is from sin, but this man had sin in his life. And how many know wherever there's sin, there's collateral damage? And how many know the greatest collateral damage is in his house? And sometimes we have to go from the place of God's miracle to the, God, to the place that God, of God's house. And, and what God wants us to be is a church that helps people to get from the seat from the seat to the street to take the miracle and bring it into their home. And, in th- and what that's called is teaching people how to live this, this life. It's called discipleship. Listen, disi- dis- the word discipleship is nowhere near as exciting as the miracle. Like the miracle is when, when we read, and we're going to talk about this next week, they were all amazed and they all began to worship and glorify God. God next week we're, we're going to talk about God called us to be a house of praise and worship, to celebrate what God does. But let me tell you what's not as exciting is discipleship. But unless, the Bible says nobody likes discipline for the moment because it's not fun. But it's the fruit of discipline that, that, it's, that, that makes, makes discipleship exciting. And when you've been trained by it, you've learned how to take the move of God in your life and not leave it at the place of the meeting, but bring it from the meeting to the house. And the only way to do that is through learning that we are called to be a house, a church that teaches people how to live healed. Jesus said this, and I believe you have this in the, in the PowerPoint in Matthew 28. Jesus, he's, he, at the end of, and after he was crucified, he came to his disciples, and he said, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Like this, this is important to know because Jesus is leaving the earth after some amazing miracles. And he didn't say it like, hey, I, you know, that was a good season, everybody, but I'm going back home. Now you all are left on your own. Isn't that, isn't that kind of like how we feel sometimes? Like we read these amazing things that Jesus does, and Jesus is saying at the end of his life, like, like I'm, I, I want you to know, after my resur- crucifixion and resurrection, I still, I have all authority in heaven and earth. And he says, he said to his disciples, because of that, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, to obey everything I've commanded them. Can I tell you something? The moment that you learn how to take what God does in your heart in the meeting and bring it to your house and live in it is the moment that discipleship becomes the most exciting word you ever heard. He says this, and and I'm so glad he said it. Don't worry, I'm I'm, going to always be with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to help you through this. That was our series last, last month. 
the, Holy, the role of the Holy Spirit to help us. But I want to look at just three simple thoughts today in the story that we read. How in that moment when Jesus, he said to, to the guy who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Those three, those three statements, so powerful. The first is, he says, I want you to arise. And, and if we're a house of discipleship, we have to inspire people to get back up. Like, like let me tell you what I've seen this pattern. And, and, and I, I promise you, everyone in this room, you've been on this, this pattern, including me. Up and down, up and down, up and down. Love Jesus? Eh, take it or leave it. Oh, I love him, but, you know, I'm just doing my thing now. We have amazing encounters with God and how easy it is for us to have this be inspired to get up, inspired to be touched, inspired to move on, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a place where, like, yeah, I love miracles. I do. I love healing. I'm so grateful for a house of healing. My testimony, my story of salvation, like I was 17 years old, did not grow up in a Christian home. Many of you know my story. I'm not going to go through all of it. But like I, I, I had, in, at least in my view, as close to like the Apostle Paul wrote of Damascus experience that you could have. I was 17 years old, didn't go to church, wasn't a part of my life, didn't grow up in a, church, in a Christian home. I was, I was 17 years old. It started drinking when I was like 11 or 12 and smoking pot when I was 13, 14, doing acid by the time I was 15 and just snorting whatever anybody gave me just because it was, you know, it was there and it was easy to do. And, man, I, I had nowhere near God. And, and man, I had, I, my story is I was my best friend and we just lost it. We just, we, we, we were, we were going to die. And in one moment, like on the back streets of Buffalo, New York, thank God I'm not there anymore. Five feet of snow, everybody. Come on, somebody say a hallelujah for me. I could take you to the street behind J.H. Williams where I had a God encounter, man, that was so profound it set the course for the rest of my life. I knew God was real. I knew he existed. He delivered me instantaneously from the drugs that I was on. I didn't even know what prophesying was, and I began to prophesy with my, to my friend, and he began to prophesy to me. I was called a few weeks later to, into the ministry, didn't even know what the ministry was. I thought I was going to have to be a priest. No kids, no marriage. I said, yes, Lord. Went on with my life, and the next two years, I had more ups and downs. Moments when I just, like the paralyzed guy being healed, had the miracle, tried to go home, and then some point in my home, I just wanted to go back to bed. Give up. I remember seeing my mom at the age of 40 give up on life, literally depressed, laying in her bed, paralyzed, not able to face her life. Give up. Not even want to, not even want, I went from this incredible miracle moment to not even wanting to live. What I want to say to you today is that you may be in that space today that I want to tell you, get back up. Don't quit. Like, don't go back to bed. Don't go, don't go back to that place, whatever has paralyzed you, whatever has kept you. My mom wasn't physically paralyzed, but let me tell you, she was paralyzed in her life. And 
I want to say to you is get up out of that bed. Don't, don't live that way. We've got to be a house, a church that tells people like, you, you know, God, the resurrected power of Christ raised Jesus from the dead. And that same power lives in you as a believer. And let me tell you something, wherever the Holy Spirit is, he raises things up. Raises them to life. Purpose. So we've got to be a house, a church that says to people, you can get back up, rise up, as Jesus told this man, arise, arise, get up from where you're at, be healed. See, the problem is, is once you've tasted the goodness of the Lord, that was my problem. I tasted the, the heavenly, but I didn't know how to live in it, in my home. And so when you taste the heavenly and you live in humanity, there's a desperation of hunger in your soul. Even those that don't have never tasted, that are chasing the world, don't realize what they're hungering for is the presence of God. And God will meet you right where you are, and he'll do the supernatural, but then you've got to learn how to live in that presence, or otherwise you've tasted the most amazing thing in this world, and then you go back to the bed of humanity, and you wonder why you have no passion for life. You want to just lie down, quit, give up. When I, when I, first, when I first went to my, this church in in Margate, I began to learn these principles, and they were truly, this, this next point from this message is this, is that we have to be a house that teaches people to take their responsibility for their spiritual growth. He told the guy, he said, listen, take up your bed. He said that to the guy at Bethesda too right here. You, you who just was healed, clean up your mess. You do, you do what you need to do. I'm not saying by works. He was healed by grace. It was nothing he did to be healed. He received that healing by grace. It was the gift of God into his life. And he didn't say to you that you've got to do everything. But what he said is, I want you very specifically, you, you pick up your bed. You don't have to pick up somebody else's mess. You don't have to pick up his mess. But you got to pick up your mess. He says, you got to take responsibility for your spiritual growth. you got to clean up your mess. I mean, he could have picked it up for him. He could have said, leave it. They'll get it later. He could have said, well, you that brought him in, why don't you take it out? No, he says, if you don't do this for yourself. You see, one of the mistakes that we make in life is we're looking for somebody else to pick up our mess. We come to church and we're, we, we want the miracle, but sometimes we want the miracle because we don't want the, we don't want the process of cleaning up our mess. We want somebody just to do it for us. He says, you got, you got to learn how to, you need, you need to clean up your mess. I call it this way. I call it being, this is what we say in our growth track. You got to learn how to be a self-feeder. Any parents here in the room? Anybody have grown children? Anybody have grown children? They grew up in your house, grown children. Let me see your hand, grown children. Was not the, one of the best days in your life when your child learned how to feed themselves? Like that Saturday morning, like you realize they come in, can I get some cereal? You know how to do that? Yeah, I don't care what kind of mess you make. Go feed yourself. I'm sleeping, right? They learn how to feed themselves. Take it. Man, that's like a wonderful day. Can I tell you something? God wants you to be a self-feeder. Sometimes you need a miracle and you need somebody to intercede for you, but that's not how he called you to live your life. I, I, you know, like, so when I went to this church, 
you know, it was the first time I ever went to an evangelical church or it's charismatic, Pentecostal, like all of it. They were everything, man. They just, whatever it was, they just threw it in the pot. Let's just do it. And I, I, I so loved that. I always tell the story. I drove up into that spot, and it was like honey on my soul. I mean, it was just like so, you know, I heard the word of God for the first time. I found out the pastor was married, and his wife was pretty. I'm like, God, why didn't you tell me that? When I, you called me into the ministry, I had to say yes, and I had thought I'd never be able to have the beautiful wife that I have today and the children that I have. It would have been so much easier. And I went to that church, and I was elated. And this is the pattern. I was just like, man, that that presence and that joy and that fullness and that, oh, it was like honey on my soul. I was ready to change the world. Change the world. Saturday, come around next Saturday, Friday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I didn't want to live anymore again. Go to church and, oh, there it is again. I love you, Holy Spirit. I love you, God. I want to change the world. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't even know if I believe in God. Go to church. Oh, it's here again. Thing. And I'm a little slow. Just so you know this about your pastor, I'm slow. I don't always catch on quickly. Like I'm, I, I just like eh, maybe a couple short, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, it takes me a little while. I said, what if I go to Wednesday night church? So Sunday, I'd want to change the world. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And it finally dawned on me. I don't need a worship team to worship. I don't need a preacher for the word of God. I don't need, I don't, I can do these things on Monday. I can do them on Tuesday. I can do them Wednesday morning. I can do them Thursday. I can begin to put these things in my life that we call discipleship, but it's, 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 it's not just doing the do's and checking the list. It's taking the miracle from the place that I received it and carrying it all the way back to my house. I'm just saying, if you don't have these core, if you don't have this working in your life, if you're not studying scripture for yourself, if you only eat once a week, if you're not praying, if you're not talking to God, like just you and God, nobody forcing you, just God, here I am. This is awkward. I feel like I'm talking to myself, but I felt you Sunday and I want to feel you today. So would you help me feel you on Monday? I don't know how in the world anybody can survive and live their faith not being in community. I can't. If I'm cut off from the body of Christ, man, I'm back to the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm back. I'm not just talking about life. For us, life groups is, is part of community, and it's, it's that part that we, we fellowship with. And, but, you know, that's why we do Tuesday. The first, listen, everybody, the first Tuesday of this month. Do you know why we're doing a potluck? Not because I want to eat your food. I want to see your face. I want to know you and 
I want you to know me, not me as the pastor, me as the brother in Christ. I want you to know him. I want you to see his face and her face. I want you to know somebody because let me tell you something. There's going to be some times that you go on the way from the miracle back home on the road that you got to figure out how to overcome, that you need somebody that you can ha- call and say, I need help because, because I'm, in that, I'm on that bed again, and I don't want to live on that bed. Jesus lived, raised me from the dead. I want to live in the resurrection. I don't want to just have known of the resurrection. Would you be there with me? We've got to teach people how to take this, seek God, worship, study scripture, be in community, serve, give. That's part of the Christian life. That's what feeds your soul. Be a self-feeder. And third and the last point I'm going to ask Otis to come up is simply this. A house that equips people to live their faith in their everyday life. He said to the guy, go to your house. So what he was saying to the guy is, what you experienced here, bring it to your home. I will still need like two or three minutes. I want you to bring it home. What he was saying to him is, the healed person you are here, I want you to be here. I want you to bring it home. No doubt in my mind, he had a mess to go to. I don't know if he was married, kids, but he probably had somebody that was around his world that he was probably ugly to. Some stuff he had to heal and repair beyond his own paralysis. I remember as a young preacher, I have two daughters, if you don't know. Caitlin, who's up here, was my daughter. I taught her how to sing. No, I did not. I promise you. If you ever heard me sing, you would know that was a lie. I did not teach her to sing. That was just God's gift. And Emily, she's serving over here. I always say I've got three beautiful girls in my life, my wife and my two daughters. And they were both born into a pastor's house. They didn't have any choice. They were born into it. But as a young pastor, I always get emotional when I talk about my kids, sorry. I had a heightened awareness that that wasn't always going to be the case. They were going to grow up. They didn't have to be with me. They didn't have to be with the church. heard all the horror stories when my kids were born of preacher's kids, PK kids. They're the wildest, the worst, the rebellious. I heard the stories of PK kids, and it's not just PK, it's every Christian home. But PK kids whose dad was one thing, the pulpit. Something different at home. hated God, hated the church for what it did to their families. I'm far from a perfect father, pastor. But I strived 
being the same man here as I was there. That I didn't talk about the love of God here terrorize them at home. The Bible says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world lose his own soul? I always equated it, they are my soul. And I made a decision as a young pastor, I started when I was 26 years old. I want to say Katie was born when I was 28. About how old you guys are now. Kind of scary, isn't it? To try my best to not be, to never use them in the ministry, to, to never make them do anything, to never, never to choose the ministry over them, to never, to always love them. Like I, I'm, I thought about this today and I wrestled whether saying it. You ought to be glad that I'm not God. Because I don't think I could have sacrificed my kids for you. I don't, I don't think anybody but God could have really done that. So I would be intentional. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't, you know, it wasn't like, you know, I came home and like I got a little podium and said, all right, I'm going to be the same guy and I'm going to preach to you and give you two points and an illustration. And maybe I did some of that. I don't know. Maybe I did some of that. Listen, everybody. People God put in your life, even when you're single in this place today, you have family. You have people that love you. For those of you who are married, for those of you that have children, find a way to take what God did here live it here because God's the only hope they have we're all hypocrites on some level like makes me laugh people say I'm not going to church filled with hypocrites humanity is hypocrites church is filled with humanity now I'm not saying it's an excuse to live in it I'm not saying it's something that you just give in and say well it's just the way that it is I'm saying what I'm saying is this is don't give up on taking the miracle and the living healed and filled with God's spirit and filled with God's presence and filled filled with his holiness and filled with his word and filled with filled with with all that he is all that he is and take it into every place of your life your home life your work life your friends everything that you do don't leave it at the house of miracle bring it to your house say, but I'm broken. I've lost people. I don't have everybody. You do. Get up. Start where you are. Make a decision today. Don't lament over yesterday. Begin to take the miracle into your home. And I believe it not only will transform your life, but it will transform the life of any friend, family, neighbor, church friend, child, husband, whatever you have that makes up your world, it'll change the world around you. But it takes a decision. I'm going to live in the principles and I'm going to learn how to get up, clean up my mess, and live in this 
miracle that God manifested in my life everywhere I go. Amen, everybody. Can we give the Lord a praise clap this morning? I don't know how to land this plane. I tell preachers all the time, God know how to land the plane. God know how to land the plane. I want to pray for you. If you're here today, the greatest miracle is spiritual. It's resurrected life. Being spiritually dead and then ba- being made alive. And, you know, I didn't get too much into this, but when you're, you know, spiritually, when you're born again, you're as healed as you're ever going to be. Now you're just working on your soul and your physical body. Jesus does a complete work in your spirit when you say yes to Jesus. You're born again, you're saved, you're healed spiritually. Now you got to renew your mind and Pray for your body and all those things that we deal with. But if you don't know Christ, you're spiritually separated. And Jesus came to this earth for one reason. He was broken, the Bible said, so that you could be made whole. He went to the cross and suffered the death of the cross for the payments of my sin, of your sin. And when you say yes to Jesus, what you're saying is, I'm accepting the gift of forgiveness that comes through the cross. And it's a grace gift. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You just receive it. And then he'll take you on the journey of the other stuff we talked about today. He'll heal you first and then teach you how to clean up your bed and bring it in your home. It's a pro- that part's a process. But spiritual wholeness is a moment when you say yes to Jesus. So I'm asking every head to be bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this place today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus never said yes to him you've never received the gift of forgiveness those that are worshiping online I'm speaking to you too and today you know you're separated from God and you want to accept his gift of forgiveness through Jesus I want to lead you in a prayer that can assure you that you're his child the Bible says every man, woman and child on the face of the earth has sinned fallen short of God's standard That's what we call sin. But that God loved you so much that he gave Jesus, his son, to be born a man, come to this earth, suffer the death of the cross, and be the substitute for you and I. The atonement is what theologians call it. The substitutional atonement, which means he became your substitute. He took your place. The only thing he requires for you to be able to partake of that gift is to give your life to him and ask Christ to come in and be your Lord. Say, I don't know how to do that. Listen, you know you need to be healed. He'll teach you how to do the other. That's a process. But today, you need Jesus. If that's you, worshiping online and worshiping in this room with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand up. But with everybody's eyes closed, if that's you, would you just simply raise your hand towards heaven and say, I just want to receive the gift of forgiveness. If you're worshiping online, would you just let us know right there, I want to receive that gift today and I want to give my life to Jesus in this place. Father, I thank you for drawing men and women, boys and girls to you. Father, we honor you. We thank you for your word. I pray for healing in this place. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 
Father, I thank you that your word will not return void. And I pray in Jesus' name that we would continue to be a house of healing, that we would continue to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Help us as a church to be a place, a house of discipleship that helps us to take the miracle and learn how to live it in our everyday life. And Father, we give you praise. We thank you for these things. And Father, as we close out today, we just give our, our heart to you, our life to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give God just one more, one more praise clap today? one of the hard parts of having this kind of room. I can't tell if you're with me, if you're sleeping or not. Get in the other room, we'll call you out. Yo, wake up, you're sleeping on me. I had one guy try to tell me, oh, I have a condition. I'm like, yeah, me, <laughs> you're falling asleep. Love you guys so much. We're going we're gonna to take a moment and pray over our giving, our offering today. And those that give online or want to give, there's, you can give online. And you know, some people give their legacy offering, you know, monthly or weekly, they just how they set them their life up. Some do it December 11th as a, as a church, whatever works for you. Um, you know, we're, we're not going to micromanage that for you. Um, we just want to pray over over all the giving today. And so, if you would stand with me, we're going to worship God with this song. I'm going to close this in prayer, and then just ask the Holy Spirit, "What are you saying to me today?" Let's pray. Father, we lift up the offering to you today. Speak to our hearts during this song. God, I pray that you would receive all the gifts, the tithes, and the offerings, that you would multiply it back into the life of givers, and that you would give hope to those who are struggling financially, God, that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. Let the joy of the Lord be our strength in this place today. And Father, we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.